This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, December 15, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. A federal court has declared the individual mandate unconstitutional, but that ruling alone won't stop the implementation of Obamacare. Michael Cannon, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute, lays out what's coming in 2011 from the embattled health care law. In 2011, Obamacare is going to keep increasing people's health insurance premiums the same way it started doing that in 2010. A lot of the mandates in Obamacare take effect on a rolling basis. So if your health plan year started after September 23rd of 2010, it has to comply with all of these additional mandates. You have to purchase uh, 100% coverage for preventive services. You have to buy coverage uh, that's uh, unlimited annual and lifetime coverage. If your employer offers coverage for dependents, it has to provide coverage for dependents up to the age of 26. These things all take effect whenever your health plan year starts, and so if that starts on January 1st, then these mandates will start affecting you and affecting your paycheck on January 1st. There are also a number of regulations that take effect for everyone beginning on January 1st. These include what they call the minimum medical loss ratio regulation. That's the one in Obamacare that says that insurance companies must spend no more than 15% of their premium revenue in the case of large employers, or 20% of their premium revenue in the case of small employers and plans on the individual health insurance market on things deemed administrative expenses. So that includes marketing, uh, salaries, underwriting, and so forth, profits. And if an insurance company spends more than 15 or 20% of their premium revenue on those items, they have to rebate the difference to their plan members. Now, this sounds, this, what a, sounds like a wonderful deal. Hey, you get money back from the insurance companies. But what will happen is a lot of insurance companies won't be able to meet that requirement, and rather than give that money back uh, to their employee, I'm sorry, their enrollees, they're just going to drop out of the market. And one insurance company has already dropped out of the market in large part because of that regulation. It's called Principal Financial Group. They left nearly a million Americans to find new health insurance. By setting a specific amount that that insurance companies can spend on administrative uh, items. Might that encourage companies themselves to not uh, offer certain coverages that are likely to result in higher administrative costs? There are a lot of health plan types that are going to be particularly particularly hard hit by the minimum medical loss ratio regulation. One of them is uh, a plan type called mini-med plans. These are health plans that offer maybe only ten dollars or $20,000 worth of coverage. Uh, they're usually purchased by low-wage workers, purchased on behalf of those low-wage workers by their employers. And the uh, paradigmatic example is McDonald's. It offers these mini-med plans to their employees. Uh, people who've written books about McDonald's say that these plans are a lifeline for, uh, for, for those workers who don't have coverage through a spouse. And yet, what this minimum medical loss ratio would do if the Obama administration enforced it is it would drive those health plans out of business, leaving McDonald's with the choice of either providing no coverage at all to their workers or eliminating salaries, uh, uh, I'm sorry, other benefits and reducing salaries for the, uh, their workers or just eliminating jobs, all of which w- would arguably leave these workers worse off. So what the Obama administration did was they decided to give a waiver to, uh, to McDonald's and, and, uh, and other employers who, who apply for one so that 
for 2011, this minimum medical loss ratio regulation will not apply to them. But it might apply to them in 2012 or in 2013. And if you throw these people out of uh, their, their plans and they want to buy insurance on the individual market, they'll be individually underwritten. They may face high premiums if they have expensive medical conditions. This happens whether you're in a mini-med plan or you lose your principal financial group coverage or coverage from another insurer. But what's interesting about these waivers is it, it belies the claim that these are consumer protections. If these provisions were consumer protections, the administration wouldn't have to grant waivers. But they are hurting people, and that's why they have to set them aside. For people who have health savings accounts and flexible spending accounts, there are new rules that uh, go into effect January 1 as well. Two new changes take effect in uh, January of 2011. If you have a health flexible spending account where you get to decide how much money you put into this FSA each year, uh, that is going to be capped now at $2,500. You'll be able to put in no more than that. So that's, in effect, a tax cut, I'm sorry, a tax increase for you if you had been putting more money than that aside tax-free. You're now able to put less money aside in your FSA tax-free. And whether you have a health FSA or a health reimbursement arrangement, which is also tax-free, or a tax-free health savings account, you will no longer be able to use the funds in those accounts to purchase over-the-counter drugs. You'll have to pay for those with after-tax dollars. If you do pay for those over-the-counter drugs with your FSA, HRA, or HSA funds, or if you buy anything, any other non-approved items with those funds, instead of paying a 10% penalty, starting in January 2011, you will pay a 20% penalty. So the government has doubled the tax uh, penalty that you pay if you use those funds on those tax-free funds on, on tax-exempt items. So we've got a number of taxes that Obamacare is imposing on consumer-directed health plans that take effect in 2011. President Obama was very clear, as in, let me be clear, uh, to point out that, look, if you like your coverage, you get to keep it. This was all during the run-up to passage of the law, which I, I think presumes that he had the understanding of uh, economics and incentives that would make that uh, promise true, or that he was just being disingenuous, or that he clearly just didn't understand what he was talking about. In the case of uh, a lot of these protections, there are still other problems that will be created in 2011 by the law. One of the problems that the law has created for 2011 is created by that mandate that employers provide dependent coverage up to the age of 26. Actually, what that mandate says is, if the employer provides dependent coverage, then they have to provide it up to the age of 26, but employers are under no obligation to keep providing it. So because the cost of that mandate was so expensive, at least one employer so far, uh, Service Employees International Union Local up in New York, decided to drop dependent coverage for its 30,000 members. Now, that left 6,000 children without health insurance who used to have it. And it's going to be very difficult for them to go out and buy insurance on their own because I'm sorry, insurers are fleeing the child-only market. So what this indicates is, number one, President Obama was dead wrong when he said, if you like your health plan, you can keep it. And number two, these are not consumer protections that Obamacare is imposing on the marketplace. These things are harming consumers. Michael Cannon is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.